In 373, a young man gets born up in Scotland, and he gets kidnapped. Uh, as a young man, he gets taken to Ireland. And he's stuck in Ireland raising pigs. And he, while he's in Ireland, he, he remembers some of the stuff that he, learns, uh, he learned as a child. And this is why it's important to have your kids in Sunday school, seriously, and, and neighborhood Bible time. And stuff, because you never know what kind of situation you're going to be in. And the only Bible that they'll have is what they learned when they were a little kid. And this young man, whose name is Patrick, gets saved. Gets saved from, from his memory of being taught as a child. He eventually escapes and goes back to Scotland. And while in Scotland, becomes a pastor and has these dreams... And one of them is actually, you know, like Paul's Macedonian call dream where there's an Irish guy saying, please come back to Ireland. And here's this guy who had been a slave in Ireland. If I'm ever a slave someplace, I'm not going back. I can't remember which hostage it was. All this stuff comes to me at a time you know, in the middle of the lesson where I can't go and look it up. But you remember when, when the 53 hostages were held in Iran for 444 days? And at the end of it, when they were finally released, one of the guys, and I don't remember which one, but one of the guys was asked when he got off the plane in Wiesbaden, Germany, would you ever want to go back to Iran? And he said, absolutely, in the cockpit of a bomber. Okay. Um, that's the way I would be. If I had been kidnapped and taken as a slave to Ireland, how would I want to go back to Ireland? In the cockpit of a bomber. Um, I wouldn't want to go back as a missionary. And yet, as you all know, Patrick, who now today we, most of the country celebrates by getting drunk out of their gourd, carried Christianity. He and 12 others who he recruited when Scotsman went back to Ireland and uh, carried with him carried with him Baptist ideals. He himself didn't call himself a Baptist, and of course the Catholics proclaimed him and made him a saint. But, uh, but he wasn't a Catholic. Patrick was not a Catholic. He, his, his beliefs were right down the line. He would, he would go with all of our even soul liberty issues. Um, anyway, that's... So that is so cool. Okay, let's go ahead a couple. Yes. Let's carry over from the Irish who came over and during the potato famine and and the Irish. I I, you know, I lived ten years in Emmitsburg, which is the sister city to Dublin. And um, Patrick is Patrick's not just a religious symbol, or, nor even a. Um, not even just a party symbol that he's become, unfortunately, in the United States, but rather, uh, I mean, he is a national symbol in Ireland. And when they brought him over, um, but the thing is that the Irish, the Irish always partied by getting drunk, and so other Americans went, hey, here's a, here's a holiday that we can all drink in. And, you know, it was uh, the, the way it was. Of course, you know, the whole drinking thing, honestly, is another historic thing that's kind of bizarre. Um, 
you couldn't drink water back in the early, early days. I mean, back, you go back before 1600, nobody drank water because you got sick from drinking water. They drank beer. You got up in the morning, you had beer, you know, and at lunch you had beer and supper you had wine. And you went through your whole life buzzed. And uh, you did. You did. And what? anybody know what changed that? No, the Dark Ages were buzzed. Okay, the, it was at the end of the dark age. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Tr- yeah, and the and the Felderman sandwich uh, they were the two things that saved uh, the, uh, the world there from that uh, coffee because you boiled the water to make your coffee and it took the stuff out of it and you could drink coffee now and 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 even the caffeine sharpened you up a little bit and and the world and it entered the age of reason. Uh, reason. I'm not a coffee drinker, so that explains some things and. Uh, Never all that sharp, but uh, but that was the. I mean, you know how they figured out coffee too. Go to uh, coffee originated in Ethiopia, and 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 in uh, northern Kenya, and um, just grew, grew wild. And the goats would eat it, and then just go bonkers, jumping all over the place. And the and the and the uh, goat herders went whoa. That must be good stuff. <laughs> and they would eat the, coffee, the the stuff around the coffee thing. And then, I mean, who got around to drying it, grinding it up, and running it through water? I don't know, but that's how the whole whole buzz thing got started anyway. Um, I don't make this stuff up. Okay? This is... History is so cool. If you just take the, everybody, you know, thinks history is so dry. It's not. It is so cool. Uh, the Montanists. The Montanists. Uh, a guy by the name of Montanus, uh was a converted pagan priest in what is now Turkey uh, who saw the Orthodox uh, Church becoming more rist- real, uh, ritualistic. Thank you not having uh, much spirituality. The church was also had this clergy class that was, you know, becoming very influential in ways other than spiritually. Uh, had very little discipline and very lax standards of church membership. Now, this was the time, go ahead to the next, the next slide for me, Europe, and this is Europe today. But this was a time when, here's Rome is about right here, and then over here, in, thank you, in, can I have that? Uh, uh, Istanbul, which was Constantinople in those days, um, kind of had, they had one empire, but the two were put together, and there was an eastern church and a western church. Yellow pot. Cool, okay. I can't hold it steady, though. This is, work on coffee. This is why it doesn't work for me to go hunting. <laughs> I went hunting once and just missed shooting my dad. I went, <laughs> it's true. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Boom. Oh, dad. <laughs> it was not good. Okay. Anyway. Um, anyway, Montanus uh, is from Turkey. Right there is Turkey. Now go to the next slide. It shows a better one of Turkey. Here's Turkey. And he was from this region right here. This is where he was from. Okay, and at one point, the government of his region ruled all this. But he was from here. And he was an odd guy. I mean, he, w- he 
in a lot of ways, really good. I mean, really came up, you know, said, the church is going this way, we need to go this way. But he was weird. Um, and, uh, for instance, uh, we, would probably, we would probably separate from this guy. Um, he was very charismatic. Um, he had, he, he believed that he was having visions from God. And that, and the thing is, most of the stuff that he said that he was having from visions from God was stuff that was pretty much right on. But we would probably say, you're, you know, you're probably short of a Happy Meal. And uh, probably would, would, I won't go, okay. No, I will. Did you not, they did, I think it was the University of Wisconsin did this study this last year. Did you, did you see that it came out like a couple of days ago? That they said, you know, athletes who do the same thing over and over again, even if it's a good thing, eventually injures them because they do the same thing over and over and over again. And, that's a, and they said, I think the same thing happens to people who do the same thing over and over again at their job intellectually. And so they, they went out to a, over a thousand McDonald's and went and, and ordered just one order of french fries. This went up with like one order of french fries. And 64% of the time, the person waiting on them asked, do you want fries with that? <laughs> what did you say? Yeah, I'll tell you that to go. Do you want to eat it here? But uh, that's true, too. Anyway, uh, the Montanists then went on, and, and, uh, and they, were, they, they really helped to bring Christianity back to um, the people who followed them. While it was a little odd, um, as they got farther away from Montanists himself and just embraced the Montanist teachings, it, it was pretty good. Um, they, they ended up getting killed, um, Montanists did, and the Catholics not only killed them, but destroyed as many of the writings as possible that they could find of, of Montanists. So, so, you know, when I say he was a little odd, I'm actually getting most of that from writings of the Catholics who were writing about him. Um, so, it's it's hard to say. Um, anyway, let's let's go on to the next one. Okay, the, uh, the most famous of these of his converts was Tertullian, and you've all probably heard of Tertullian. Tertullian was this guy was ultra genius, and he was really really smart. And Tertullian uh, was a great defender of the faith. He taught uh, baptism by immersion only, uh, believer baptism only. He strongly opposed infant baptism, and he was the one who coined the term Trinity about, you know, that Godhead being, you know, three parts of God. This, this was Tertullian. Uh, he, was, he was incredible. He, and really said very few things that were wrong. And when I say wrong, not even wrong. He said very few things that were off base. So the weirdest thing he ever said was, was that we need to thank God for plagues and wars because it keeps the population down. Um, I mean, that, and, of course, that was that he, 
that was at a time when the world's whole population was like a half a billion in the whole world. And he thought it was over. He thought it was a little crowded. Apparently, there wasn't room to hunt. Sure, I don't know. The, uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, then, come, by the way, he was, he was from Turkey. Or not Turkey. He was from North Africa, which means that the Montanist ideas made their way all the way around to North Africa. Now, here's another thing about the, about talking about like the, in Brighton, they weren't the English that we have today because those were Angles uh, who came up and settled. The, uh, the Roman world was, was, we think of, you know, it, it extended into North Africa. The northern half of Africa were really, they, they were what we would today consider Europeans. I mean, they, they, were, they were white-skinned folk who did, lived all the way around the Mediterranean. You, you get in your mind, and I get in my mind. You got Europe on the north side of the Mediterranean. You got Africa on the south side of the Mediterranean, right? And Europe is white folks, and Africa is black folks and, and Arabs, right? That's, and that's pretty much it. That wasn't the way it was. The way it was was you had the Mediterranean Sea, and all the way around it were the same type of people. They were all what we would think of today as Romans. And they, they were all the same. And so as the, the it wasn't odd for the culture to, sh to make its way around from, from Turkey all the way to North Africa because they were all the same people. I mean, you know, you know how, like, how, like the, how we in, in the United States can exchange culture really easy with Canada and we can exchange culture really easy with Britain. Right? But we get a little bit weird when we go into, like, Brazil because they speak a different language. They have different uh, customs. They have different holidays, right? But the people who – these people were the same people. They were and, – and we have this thought that Africa is way different than Europe. In those days, it wasn't. In those days, it wasn't. So anyway, um, that, didn't, that didn't happen. Now, the Novations – the Novationists um, came along about 250, and they, these guys were in uh, in North Africa as well, and mostly. And they um, during during uh, Decius, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, was the emperor of, of Rome, and there was a persecution. The persecution was a nat. I mean, there's, there, there are persecutions where where, you know, they threw people in jail for a little bit, and there are persecutions where they took away property for a little bit, and there are persecutions where they wrapped you up in, in pitch and set you on fire, you know. Those were the ones you wanted to avoid. And, and they, I mean, no, they, the, that, those were nasty. And during this time, a lot of people turned from the faith. You know, You've all gotten the email, if you have email, of, you know, the guy who, a bunch of terrorists come running into the, into the church, and, and they say, you know, anybody who, if you're going to, you, we're going to kill anybody that stays with Christ and half the church leaves, and then they take off the hoods and go, okay, pastor, we've cleaned it out for you. Right, you've all gotten that email. That's kind of what this did. And a lot of people turned away from Christ at that time. And... Then, after the persecution ended, a lot of them wanted to come back, wanted to come back into the church. And it's hard. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm, 
as I hear that, I say to myself, I wonder which one I would be. You know, if it really came to it, you know, would I, would I with my mouth deny Christ? I mean, if it was... I, and it, it's hard to be critical if you haven't been in that situation. How, and none of us have been in that situation. But these people were, had been in that, in that situation. And so when, when, um, when Cornelius became the bishop of Rome of the traditional Roman church, he said, oh, yeah, let these people come back in. Let them, let them rejoin. Let them, you know, Peter denied Christ three times. You know, let, the, let these people come back. No, Novation said, uh-uh, uh-uh. These people who denied Christ, no, they're not coming back in. And so you ended up with this church of hardcores, the Novations, and you ended up with a church that was pretty wishy-washy over here, which was the Catholic Church. And this is one that we could debate for a long time. You know, we all sin. We all sin, and, and we all need forgiveness. We all need the grace of God. When you go so far as denying Christ... I mean, there you go. Um, Also, novation was opposed to remarriage after divorce, which there's a big surprise, but apparently um, Cornelius wasn't. Okay, go to the next slide. Uh, Right away, then, he ends up getting uh, excommunicated by Rome, and he he ended up getting executed himself. Not just excommunicated, but uh, executed. But as often happens after he was killed... His ideas went like wildfire. And, um, and so these guys were known as Nova, uh, uh, Novationists, but they had their own name, the Pure. That's what they called themselves, the Pure. And they wanted to remove themselves as far as possible from the Catholic Church. Now, again, in some ways, that almost sounds kind of pompous, doesn't it? You know, call yourself the pure. Do we ever do we ever have practices? This is a rhetorical question; you don't have to answer. But I sometimes wonder if some of the practices of our church and other like-minded Bible-believing Baptist churches and Bible churches and like that don't sometimes step back from uh, things in order to be as non-Catholic as possible. I mean, there's nothing in the Bible about you should wear a robe when you preach or you should not wear a robe when you preach, right? But by golly, we're not going to wear a robe when we preach. We don't even have a choir have robes, you know, uh, because it looks Catholic. I mean, how many? a lot of times we do things that we, we want to, I mean, we have orange pews because it doesn't look Catholic. Uh, <laughs> right? But they kind of look Catholic, didn't they? Or at least Presbyterian. The uh, <laughs> it could be. All right. Um, let's keep going. Yes. Um, it's hard to pinpoint. No, I'm going to say around. Um, it's still coming up. Like 326 or something. You got a guy by the name of. Um, um, 
Augustine. And Augustine is really the beginning of Roman Catholicism. I don't know if I have the right date on this. Well, Constantine, Constantine, as you know, is the emperor who has this vision. There's his vision. There's the cross right there in the middle where he sees in the clouds a cross. And he makes all of his soldiers put crosses on their tunics, crosses on their shields, and they go out and they win a great battle. And boom, Christianity must be a good thing because we were able to slaughter lots of people. And, uh, and he says, hey, all you people ought to become Christians. And so he just basically moves. Rome has, was always a theocracy. But was it a theocracy of the pagan gods, the pantheon of, of is Zeus the Greek one or is it Jupiter? Mars, those guys, right? The whole pantheon of gods. Um, and then just replaces them with, with uh, Christianity. And under this, Christianity uh, becomes, number one, a political force, which it should not be. Christianity should not be a political force. Should Christians be involved in politics? Absolutely. But should Christianity be a political force? No. Christians should be politically, could be political forces, but Christianity should not be. Um, because we've got, we spend way too much time. Politics takes too much time, is why. Christian, the, the job of Christianity is to get people saved, is to advance the gospel of Christ not to advance the gospel of uh, George Bush or Barack Obama. Um, it's not, that's not our mission. You know, if, you, if you ask somebody in the military, what's your mission? They know what their mission is. And they don't go off and do something else because they think it's a good idea. Even if it looks like a good idea, even if it is a good idea, they know what their mission is. Exactly. Exactly. Another, another uh, thing is that, that Catholic priests then, or the church's priests, would be paid by the, by the state. They wouldn't have to, they wouldn't have to support themselves. Um, and that really makes for people who probably ought not be pastors, people who are not called to go into ministry because it's a good career move. Um, and the church became filled with unbelievers. People who, Constantine said it was a good idea. Well, I, I dare say, you know, that we have political leaders today that if they said, you know, if hey, you all ought to go do this, you ought to go all join this church, there'd be people who would go join this church because their political leader told them to. Um, and consequently, Christianity becomes, um, becomes very paganized. And... So we end up having, you know, this contention between the real church and the state's church, which doesn't work very well. Let's go on to, that. now let's go to Augustine, I think. Yeah. Okay, 396. I don't know what you, I said 326, didn't I? 396 is about when he was, when he was real popular. Really the father of Roman Catholicism, even though he was not in Rome. He was in, he was in, uh, Turkey, um, not in Turkey, in North Africa, he was, the, he was the bishop or the pastor of Hippo, which is right 
next door to Carthage. See if I go, do, do I have a map on the next one? Okay, right. Okay, Rome's right here. It's right there. Rome is right there. Okay, and then North Africa. Here's Carthage right here, the the province of Carthage, and then Hippo is like the town of Hippo is like right there, and. You guys have all heard of, from your world history class 55 years ago, um, the, the Punic Wars. And the Punic Wars were wars between Carthage and Rome to determine which one was going to rule the Mediterranean world. And it was led, uh, the third one was led by a guy by the name of Hannibal. Took the, and Hannibal took his, took his forces rather than just like this. He went all the way around this way, crossed the Alps with elephants and attacked Rome and was kicking Rome's behind, by the way. And Rome then said, we're going to lose this battle, so what we're going to do is we're going to send our navy and go attack Carthage. And so they abandoned Rome and went and attacked Carthage, and the Carthaginians sent for Hannibal, Hannibal to come back home, and it saved Rome, and uh, Carthage ended up getting destroyed. And uh, the, any hope of Carthage being a world power gets destroyed. Wow. Anyway, go back to go back to to Augustine real quick. Thanks. Uh, Augustine had one thing right, and that was about it. And you know it's funny because Augustine, even today, you say Augustine to any Roman Catholic, and Augustine is part of the Trinity. Okay, uh, Augustine was up there. You ask most Protestants, and Augustine is up here. Augustine is really up here, and consequently. World history classes, Augustine is up here, and you end up having everybody think Augustine was really something. I'm, I'll finish up with this. He did believe grace alone, but he also believed that only predestined people, and last week Pastor talked about predestination, but Augustine said, you know, you really can't do anything about it. You're, either say, you're going to be saved or you're not going to be saved. Irresistible grace. And, you, and there's that. And the only way you're going to get saved is through the sacraments of the Holy Mother Church. If you don't go to the Catholic Church, if you do not take the sacraments, if you are not baptized and go through First Communion and, and either the Holy Orders or, or marriage or, and have the last rites, you're not getting into heaven. And that, well, there you go. Well, that's his individual soul liberty that he can put those two together. Okay? The Roman Church was universal. There was the church, and the, he was big in infant baptism because he said baptism removes uh, original sin. And then finally, uh, he believed strongly in this marriage of church and state and had no problem with using the local North African Roman legions to go out and persecute the, those who would disagree with him. Um, to, to the utmost, even to death. Um, now, Augustine did not have very many people put to death, but he had, their, he had them flogged. He had, them, had them, their property taken away. He had them put in dungeons. He made their lives really miserable and did have a few of them killed, but not, it's not like they were lining up hundreds of them like some other ones did, but, but there it was. Well, I think it near as far as I thought it would today. But... Uh, there you go. Um, Dusty, would you close in prayer for us?